first of all, this is an exciting one for me. My list of point guards that I always wanted to play with, be a part of, or just be on a team with is Teresa Weatherspoon. And I'm so happy, and we are so happy. Yeah, we. I forgot I'm about happy her, and excited too, Danny. I, I was in my I own was, little I, thing. I got love for Teaspoon. I seen her throw that but, thing up from half court and win the game. Man, I'm glad you guys got me here. Let's, <laughs> let's punch this thing. Let's do it. Let's do it how you guys do it. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate right. that. When you first got to the WNBA, who was the first person to bust your ass? Ooh. Nobody. Nobody. You was locking nah. all that up. No. That, no. No. And I believe every one of them will tell you no. That's not happening. <laughs> no. No. Hey, look, this is the first person told you the opponent's going to tell you no, too, though. <laughs> tell you no. You know, I'll give, I'll give props to one who I know was very, very, very difficult to defend, Ooh. and that's Cynthia Cooper. Uh, she was incredible with what she does. You know, she could shoot it, pass it, dribble it, rebound it. She could do so many different things that made it difficult to defend her. So, but nah, she's not gonna say she bust my ass. No, <laughs> it was an all-out war out there. Yo, 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 we live on location. We had to do this one. Look, this was me and the blackest one, one of our favorite all-time hoopers, period. It don't even matter. You know what I'm talking about? You talking about a gold medalist a couple times. You talking about a, a Hall of Fame. You talking about an NCAA champ. You talking about a defensive player of the year a few times. You know what I'm saying? All type of type things going on, man. We got, look, one of New York's favorites. You feel me? Everybody pull your teaspoons out in New York cities and Texas. You know what I'm saying? We got teaspoon in the building. Appreciation. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. one of our favorite players all time. Presented by Hennessy. Pineland, Texas. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was New York and New York everything. Yeah. Pineland, Texas. Tell us the transition from Pineland, Texas to New York. How was that? Man, it actually speaks for itself. Pineland, where right. I'm from, it speaks for itself. Really, really small. 882 people. That's, that's how small it is. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. No, don't go and look for a stop sign. Stop <laughs> like that. You got about two or three stop signs, and that's about it. But yeah. it was an incredible transition. Work, hard work, basically coming out of a hole. Coming out of a hole for someone to be able to see you and give you an opportunity. Uh, And I was given an opportunity to play at Louisiana Tech. And from there, I just took advantage of the opportunity, took it and just flew with it. Had an opportunity to play on Olympic teams. And from there, your your vision came to life to play in America professionally. Then it came to life playing in WNBA. The transition was just the game of basketball and the growth from one stage to the next, high school, collegially, collegially, professionally. Yeah. And that was what the growth was really all about. How did you fall in love with basketball? Like, who put that in you so you fell in love with? Who put that in you? My first love was baseball. Mm-hmm. I was a better baseball player. I would say I am a better baseball player than a basketball player. My mom played softball. My, my favorite sport, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was a, a baseball player. He played on the, um, the minor league team for the Minnesota Twins, and he was back and forth. You know how you go back and forth, back and forth. But it was in the day when, you know, it wasn't acceptable as, mm-hmm. a, as a black man. It wasn't acceptable. But my father was incredible. If you look to this day and you look in the minor leagues, they have him under as Chuck Witherspoon. Of course, he's Charles Weatherspoon, but Chuck Witherspoon, that's my father. Mm -hmm. He still holds the record to this day of Grand Slams in one game. Mm. Still holds the record with two Grand Slams in one game, and the third one hit the fence. I don't know who was pitching to him. I don't know who was (laughs) foolish to pitch to him, but basketball came after baseball. I mean, I played everything. Those kids that your parents said, I got to put this kid in some stuff to keep her disciplined. What made basketball the one? Because I'm where I'm from. 
and where I'm from, that was the only sport that we as women were able to play. Mm-hmm. And in college, in high school, they weren't going to allow us to play with the guys. Mm-hmm. I could only play with the little league team. So that made you just like I committed to basketball. I committed myself so to basketball. Yeah. Did you know anything about like other women players before that, or you was just seeing the guys? Oh no, I no, I, I knew about the women. I knew I knew about what they were doing. Of course, we didn't really get to see them on TV, so you really had to study That's the best way you possibly could, and yeah. that was through encyclopedias. Yeah. At that time, that was yeah. through encyclopedias. Ooh, this ain't heard yeah, no they ain't heard nothing about all that. <laughs> so, oh, man, that, that's where it was. That's yeah. where it was all about. So, my, so my family would buy it so I could study and mm. know the history of it. Because of course, there goes Ann Myers, there goes Nancy Lieberman. Of Nancy, course, my Nancy. coach, my yeah, came, coach came through. The, the you know, best. you started to see them, Nancy and of Cole course, Miss Harris, God rest her soul, was the, one of the best to be playing it. So you had to really study it to know it. And when I started studying, I started, I said, man, I kind of like this thing. I kind of like the sport. And I just started to grow from there. I actually started when I was four playing it. In high school, when did you transition? It was like, yeah, this sport, this me, this is what I'm going to go to college. This is what I want to do. You, you start seeing a future with this round ball. I was a sixth grader. Mm. I was a sixth grader, and I got a chance to play. I hadn't played with no structured basketball yet. Mm-hmm. But they give us this little peewee league, and we were playing yeah. in it. And I started to really, really love it because I got to play at halftime of uh, one of the high school games. Uh, and I got to hear the cheers of the fans. And yeah. like, I always played with that rah-rah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this. I like the cheering from the fans. I like scoring buckets. I like locking you up. I started to really like it and just started to really push from there. And then uh, I started to have one of the greatest coaches who grabbed on to me as a sophomore. Just kind of laid the law down. What was his name? Her name was Rita Swindell. Oh, her Rita Swindell. She was really, really tough on me, mm. but with silence. Mm-hmm. Tough with silence. I got kicked off the team. I got. I was bad. You know, I was bad. Tell me how much being the youngest of six impacted you and impacted your competitiveness yeah. and your toughness. Probably the greatest thing that happened to me because I'm the baby of those six. Right. So I had to fight for what I needed. I had to fight for what I wanted. <laughs> and, heck, they they were hard on me. Yeah. All right, my brothers were extremely hard. Sisters were probably my greatest critics. So they were really hard on me. So I got to see my yeses, my nos, my pros, my cons from watching them. And that's where it all kind of stemmed from for me. Everything about me starts in my house. Mm-hmm. Everything. No, nothing starts outside. It starts inside my home of where I learned everything. Absolutely mm-hmm. everything. And to this very day, it's still the same. That passion you had, that started in the house. Starting in the house. I, mean, I always loved your passion. One of the most things I love about you is your passion. <laughs> but, you know, in this game, and if you are not already the man, sometimes your passion can get rubbed off on the wrong mm-hmm. way on the coach or player mm-hmm. or in that. How was... That to take your passion and for, to show it to other people and have coaches and teammates to not be offensive to it yeah. or, or, or scared of it, to embrace it, you being on the team and seeing what you do. Yeah, that was really hard. That was really hard because a lot of times being as passionate as I am about what I do, some coaches thought I was trying to take over. And that wasn't the deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, some players thought I was being a little too harsh and too rough. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the deal. It was me showing what I feel. I believe motivation is in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And what I bring, I thought I wanted to throw it in the atmosphere. I wanted people to feel what I'm feeling. And mm-hmm. the only way you could feel it is for it to exude from me. And it started to exude from me. They saw it as, I want you to be the best you. I want you to be the best you. I don't want anything but you to be the best you. Because I'm going to be the best me. <laughs> I'm going to be the best me out here. I don't give a damn if nobody likes it. Yeah. I'm going to be the best me. But I wanted them to see every single day that I come out here, what I'm bringing, I'm bringing to excite you. I'm bringing to excite you for you to know whatever in your day that happened, don't worry about it. I got you. Let I me, got you. Let me ask you this. When I see you, I see a leader. I see somebody that can lead the team, somebody I can follow behind, and you're going to always put me in the best position possible. 
when did you know, like, man, every team I play on, I don't care if it's the YMCA League, I don't care if it's the WNBA mm -hmm. Championship, I don't care if it's with the fellas, I got to be the leader every single time. They look to me yeah. to be the leader mm -hmm. every single time. When did you, you accept that role and know that, oh, I can't do nothing but be a leader everywhere I go? You know what happens is when you're a leader, you on a, like you're on an island by yourself. Yeah. You like to, it's like this a lonely place to be sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I felt that a lot. I felt that a lot. Like I don't need anyone to motivate me. I know how to motivate myself. Mm -hmm. But I knew they needed me, the leadership, for them to go every day. Because I wanted to ignite you. I wanted to push you. I wanted you to think whatever that challenge was before you that you could conquer. You could get through a brick wall and never get hurt. But it always happened for me in high school to college to my professional settings. It always happened. But I never just wanted it to be given to me. I wanted to earn it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to earn that leadership. I wanted them mm -hmm. to know every day that I come in here, I'm playing hard for you, not for me. Playing hard for you. Tell me, you say your coach was tough on you. How do you go from being kicked off the team and you having to be disciplined to being the leader of the team and valedictorian of your high school class? <laughs> like, that don't sound like somebody that got kicked off a team mm -hmm. and had disciplinary problems, and then you go to be the valedictorian. It all starts at home. So when I, when I did what I did to be kicked off the team, it's almost like it's a reflection of my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want that, so it kind of embarrassed me. Yeah. I actually humiliated myself, no one else. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to do that to my home. Because mm -hmm. where I'm from, my upbringing was very difficult, very, very difficult. I didn't have like most people think. You know, they always look at the book. They never want to open it and see what you, yeah. heck you went mm -hmm. through. I went through a very hard time as a family to make it. You know, people talk about waking up and trying to do their homework, wondering if the lights are going to be on, finding out six kids got to get something to eat, six kids got to have clothes on their backs. Mm -hmm. All of that was happening. But in our house, we had love, and I was not going to mess up what my father and my mother was teaching. And I did. At that point, I did. So it was mm. embarrassing. It was something I said I would never, ever do again. And I knew from that point that when that happened to me, there was something different that had to change. Mm -hmm. And I changed it. I changed it for the good of myself and for the girls that, that I had to lead. Yeah, I can directly relate to that because like, people ask me, how did you stay out of you growing from Chicago? I say, man, listen, it wasn't no gang. It wasn't no police. It wasn't no teacher. It wasn't <laughs> nobody that was going to whoop my ass like my daddy was if I messed up. <laughs> and that fear with what I had with my pops, that was stronger than anything that any outside yeah. force could ever do to me. That was more motivation. Like you say, not to let my family down and try and make my family yeah. look bad. That meant more to me than anything. Nothing else. Like those two things. Like, all right, number one, your pops going to whoop your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like number yeah. two, like you don't want, you know what I'm saying, that ain't what we about and you don't want to put it out there like we yeah. like that. Absolutely. Could it have been anybody else but Louisiana Tech? I wasn't highly recruited. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't highly recruited at all, and that was motivation for me. Mm -hmm. Now, who was, it was the number one player when you was when you was coming out? You remember? Um, uh, Kim Mulkey was known Mulkey. worldwide, but Cheryl Miller was the number one thing yeah. kicking at that Miller, time. So, you know, yeah. and she was <laughs> okay. She was the girl. <laughs> right. Bottom line, that's, that's, right. let's just say it for what it really is. Yeah. Um, and I have a great deal of respect for her and what she brought to the women's game to grow it the way that she did. Uh, but at the time, Louisiana Tech was really strong on me. Louisiana Tech and the University of Texas, basically mm. it. And it was a decision for me to make University of Texas a little bit too far. Mm -hmm. University of Texas a little bit too big. <laughs> I get to Louisiana Tech and I was like, mm, it's my speed. It's mm -hmm. my speed. I like it here. And I love the tradition. Mm -hmm. I love the tradition and the work that they put in to be great players, but most importantly, great people. You got Kim Mulkley. She's one of them highly recruited 
players mm-hmm. and uh, she won the top players. She's in the position that you want to play and you want to be in. Yeah. Like, how was that to be behind her yeah. and to take her spot? Like, how was that well, for you? Well, this is what it was. For... Kim had just left. That was her senior year. Oh, okay. She had recruited me to bring me on as well as Carmelone. Carmelone okay. brought me into Louisiana Tech. Carmelone, okay. And when she left, I came in as next point guard. And actually, I was the first black point guard at Louisiana Tech. Wow. And that was tough right you gotta there. You got to replace mm-hmm. the Now I got to try to come in and do what she in. did for yeah. four years. She and took her to the final four. Took her to the final four. And when I tell you she was very good at what she does, yeah. she's very good. And I was like, I can't carry your shoes. I don't want to carry your shoes. I want to bring my own. And she was my coach. She was my coach, guard coach, while I was there at Louisiana Tech for four years. And I didn't want to carry her shoes. I can't. I don't want to. I want to carry my own. I want to bring my own shoes. Mm-hmm. I want somebody now to see what these are like. I have these shoes. I'm about to be at Louisiana Tech. When you get there, how, tell me about the process of like, like you say, it's already tough. Yeah. You, you are, you're the first black point guard. Yeah. You're replacing Kim. She's still there helping yeah. coach you. So it's kind of that hovering over you. How was that adjustment for you? How did you attack that? It was easy. It was easy because she was all there for me. Mm-hmm. She was there for me. She wanted me to break whatever record she had out there. She wanted me That's to be awesome. known even better than her. She mm-hmm. wanted that. So she gave me everything she had. I asked her one day just to play. I just want to play against you one time. <laughs> I don't play one time. And I was a little freshman. I, you know, I was arrogant. I wanted to play against you one time. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm coming one time. You know, and she's just as tough and rough. I said, I'm coming one time. I said, all right, they're going to have to have the damn oxygen over here for you because I'm running the hell out of you because I know you're in shape. <laughs> put those shoes on. It was different. Mm-hmm. It was different. I was like, yeah, this girl different. She She's different. Play. The way that she conducted the show and how she got everybody involved, her vision, she was, she was different. So she really made it difficult for me to be able to defend, but it taught me how. It taught me what I needed to do at this lat level. 32-2 and two, yeah. championship seat. Yeah. You lost two games, but like, how was that to kind of finish it all? How was that season? Just take us through that season, the ups and downs, the around and then the click. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because when you have two losses and you had 32 wins, you posed to one them two games. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So how was that, the up and down and around on that season, then finally winning the national championship? That freaking year was crazy because it's my senior year and I felt like coach was playing with me, you know, playing with my time. You're playing with everything right now. And I'm trying, we're trying to win this dang thing. And I got to be the best version of myself to help this team win. Uh, and then we go into a game and we lose a game. He said, I'd have had you on the bench if we were to play against this team again, win, lose, or draw. You know, it pissed me off to another level, okay? You don't piss me off to another level. When we play again. We play again. It's on. Well, you didn't start me again. So I was third point guard coming off the bench. Should have never done that. Mm-hmm. So he had to call my name to win this game because I know he doesn't want to lose this game against Pepperdine. Never forget, mm-hmm. you can't lose this game. When he did call my name, I only got two minutes, you guys, two minutes. Probably the best two minutes of my life. <laughs> Straight Probably up. the best two minutes of my life. But lessons, <laughs> you learn from so many things that happened. And that 32-2 to two season that we had, we got our butts kicked the year before, and we supposed to have been champions that year, Tennessee. That's what I was going to ask. How, how did that impact you losing it, the past summer in Tennessee? And, that's what brought us into the season right. is knowing we done got our butts whipped when we should have won. I mean, they would had us in this big magazine, Bells of the Balls, you know, mm-hmm. everything, and we get beat. Right. And we get beat, you know, so it's like, nah, no, not this mm-hmm. time. This is the last straw that I get. Not this time. We all had that that attitude of not this time. And every time we stepped on the floor, it was not this time. And when we did lose, it was more of learning lesson. Mm -hmm. More than, damn, we lost. Learning lesson. Learning lesson. And we would take it into the next game and be prepared for the championship. We were getting our butts whipping the championship game. Yeah, what was the halftime like? Ruthie Bolton. Ruthie Bolton. (laughs) Ruthie Bolton was tearing us up. And, of course, who was defending her? Me. 
I was. And she had 14, 16 at half. And Coach Barmer, of course, I was the only name spoken to at half. You, you defending her. That's why we losing. You're defending her. Oop, ignited me. I said, she want to get another bucket. She want to get another bucket. To this day, Ruthie said, damn, I didn't get another bucket. <laughs> not another bucket. Hey, but not only that, you knocked down the free throws and sealed the deal. Had to seal it. Had to seal it. Put it on your girl. Put it on me. Put it on me. I want it. They expect all these teams from the bigger schools and the, the scholarships yeah. where they get all the yeah. top 10 players and all this stuff. Yeah. And Louisiana Tech making noise every year. <laughs> like, it, it was due to our coach. We weren't even in a conference. Mm-hmm. We were an independent school, so he mm-hmm. wanted to go to everybody's house and beat you. If you got right. a winning streak going, he he scheduled it. We're going to schedule you <laughs> at your home. He wanted to break every winning streak there was out there. Mm-hmm. And that was big for us, you know, competition, knowing how to compete, you know, being ready to pay the price, that hard work that pays off for you. So that's what it was for me about at Louisiana Tech, and that was key for me being a part of that university. What was them days like of going against the great Pat Summon and seeing how our teams excelled? yeah. After playing them Louisiana Tech teams she and stuff like that. She was just getting started. Man, yeah. it was some knockdown dragouts because they were well-coached, an organized, structured team, and they were some big women. You know, we played against them like, <laughs> man, these some corn-fed chicks. They were, they, were, they were big, but they were so good. I had some great friends that played with those teams, but they would always talk about her preparation and her expectations. But when I had a chance to talk to her, she said, those are not expectations. And when I started coaching, she said, you better demand it. Mm. The expectations are already there. Expectations from you, expectations from them. But you have to demand the expectation. Mm -hmm. So she said, be a coach of demands. And Mm. she was a coach of demands. And you could tell. You look across the league, so many Tennessee women have played. So many women from Tennessee have played in the USA Olympic teams Mm -hmm. and what they're doing in the coaching field. Mm -hmm. Uh, She left her mark in an incredible way, not only with her players, but even those who had opportunity to coach with her. Mm-hmm. Um, look what they're doing. And whenever it's mentioned, you know, we're, we we back Pat. And uh, she's just an amazing person that has done so much for women's basketball. But not only there did she stop, it was basketball, period. There was mm-hmm. a respect factor for who she was as a coach across the basketball world. But that's the thing that stuck with you from her to this day. It's a demand. That's what's up. How was it coaching at your alma mater? That was interesting. That was uh, <laughs> that was interesting because you know when you leave and your life has taken another turn, a whole mm-hmm. another different turn. And I was actually coaching men at the time. I was a head coach. My first head coaching job was in the ABA, mm-hmm. uh, and it was Elton Brand's that. team. Yeah. I was yeah. with the Westchester Phantoms. That was my first head coaching job, and I was actually coaching them. And Carl Malone once again calls and <laughs> says, "Hey, you need to come home. You need to come home." I was like, "Home? I'm, I am home. I'm in New York. What do you mean?" He said, "We want you to come back." I said, I'll come back for one year. I'll come back for one year, no problem. I went with a bag, you guys. I went with a bag. And unfortunately, like seven games left in the season, they released the head coach. And I was the associate head coach. So I was like, nah, this ain't happening to me. I wasn't planning on staying. This is not happening. And they named me interim head coach. And um, I started to like it. It was great when you play for a university and you move on as a young kid. But then to come back after so many years for them to want you back, that's probably one of the best feelings for me, more so than when I went as an 18-year-old. But it was even more so when they called me back and asked me to lead mm-hmm. this team. And unfortunately, you know, when things happen and it doesn't happen the way they want it to happen, then you're removed. Mm-hmm. It can become difficult mm-hmm. and, and painful. 
But it was difficult when that happened to me because it's my freaking university. And it was how it happened more so than it happening. That story is to be told soon, but it was just how it happened Mm -hmm. for me because there's love and always will be love for my university. That's where things started for me. And I'll always be respectful and professional in that setting. It seemed like Carl Malone was a big influence in a lot of your career and life just being from Louisiana. He's an amazing guy. You know, as a high school kid trying to find what school I wanted to go to, he was like, Louisiana Tech is a place to be. So I uh, really enjoyed my visit. I enjoyed what they were all about, and I knew that was the place for me. He was helpful in that. Mm -hmm. And then I watched his career all the time that he played, and he watched mine. It was really crazy. He went from Utah to L.A. I went from New York to L.A. (laughs) It was really I was like, this ain't even happening with the both of us. But we remained close the entire time, like a big brother. He's a freaking Hall of Famer, and uh, and he's a wonderful guy, doing great things there in in Ruston, Louisiana, by changing the school, really doing things to better our university and better things for the young people who are there. Uh, he was just instrumental in me being there at Louisiana Tech and having my back. Shout out to Mel, man. When you came out, there was no WNBA. No. Which I always say this all the time. The USA women's basketball team always put their best foot forward because mm-hmm. they have the team of the decade, the team. Like, it always be just so much yeah. power with them. To play with the USA team, you know, mm-hmm. now you're on the USA team, now you playing with the top girls and you seeing who's who and – Y'all going overseas to win that. That was y'all championship then because y'all didn't have no WNBA. Right. How was them to see your peers, see the people, and see the, the people that respect you to be yeah. like, nah, we need Teresa yeah. Weatherspoon on this team yeah. with everybody else that we naming. And you being a leader on that team too. Yeah. Like, yeah. how was that for you? That was crazy. Win a gold medal. Super crazy because that was, I'm going to age myself right quick. I was in 88, my first Olympic game uh, they ever played. But I played on USA teams leading to that because, yeah. you know, you really kind of show yourself to try to yeah. get a good part of the Olympic team. And then 92, I played on the 88 and 92 Olympic team. Uh, but the 88 one was incredible because I was a kid who was told I would never be great at playing the game of basketball. Told by a coach I would never be great playing the game of basketball. So to have that medal and to be able to say I was part mm-hmm. of the 12 best to mm-hmm. do this, it was incredible. And to play with the girls I had an opportunity to play with was simply amazing. You're talking about great practices. Mm-hmm. There was some amazing yeah, practice. The matchups. Practices. The matchups, you know. <laughs> They always talk about practice is fun. No, the hell it's not. Practice yeah, is hard. I used to go at it. It's hard. It's hard. I'll kill each other. <laughs> Straight kill each other. So game time is going to be easy. Right. Practice was harder than the game, and it's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, it was unreal. The talent level. And it's to be a part of something like that, to know how easy the game is going to be now yeah. from every angle, whether it's the right. one, two, three, four, to five, and then the bench coming off. Everybody. The best bench in the world. The bench could have been another Olympic team. Right. That's just how great we were. Whole another starting five. <laughs> That's just how great it was to be able to play with those ladies. Four USA teams, which out of the four you feel is the best USA team? The best USA team that I played Women's on? Women's USA team. 92. And we did not win. We did not win. We we were a part of the uh, dream team, you know, mm-hmm. the dream team in yeah, 92. One that yeah. I came we were freaking dream team too, and yeah. we did not win. But I still believe that we were the best assembled USA team, period. Mm-hmm. Now, someone else is probably going to say something differently, but we were by far the best assembled USA team in 92 and did not win. And that that doesn't settle with us because, you know, everybody's like, yeah, but you got a medal. You got a bronze medal. Many people can't say that. We didn't go there for a bronze right. medal. Straight up. So we the went USA, this eyeball. So, you know, <laughs> that bothers us a lot. Mm. But that was one of the best 
ever assembled. Let me ask you this. Like, you know, you see the NBA players and like, it's not like back in the day where they, they all run into play for the USA team how they mm -hmm. used yeah. to. Yeah. But for women, this is what it is. This is what it's been mm -hmm. until we got this WNBA yeah. stuff and this USA stuff is still what it's been. We seen yeah. uh, Aneka get off the USA team. She yeah. felt like she deserved it and like you see how much it meant to her. Mm -hmm. But it don't mean that much to the the guys like that. Do you see the difference of yeah. that? Can you speak up it's on It's still the ultimate. It's yeah, still the ultimate still the to play for your country. It's still the ultimate for us to play for your country, especially when you know you are deserving of a spot. But just imagine how many people who are deserving of that spot. And the committee, they have such a hard time of making sure the right people are on that, in that position. But when you go every summer and you're playing on a USA team, don't tell me you don't deserve a spot for uh, the right. Olympic team because yeah. you've now committed yourself. Because mm -hmm. you know once you commit yourself every every summer to get to that fourth year to play on the Olympic team, you deserve a spot, especially when you're capable. Definitely. I think the difference between the men and women when it comes to the commitment to the USA team is because, being truthful, you look at it, the guys make so much money. Mm-hmm. Longer seasons. You feel me? Like, stuff. The, mm -hmm. the, the commitment is different mm -hmm. because they don't need to go to that. Like, not, and it's not even, I don't want to say it's a need for the women because, like, I feel like they are bought in in a different way. Mm -hmm. But I feel like because the guys have a certain level of fame, a certain level of money, it's not as important. In the NBA, it's so many different parameters. Like, I'm a max. I'm one of them. You know what I'm saying? Whether I'm an all-star, whether I'm an Olympian, yeah, like it's a lot of different things. <laughs> and with Olympia connected you. to our names, it helps. It does. It helps for a next position. Mm -hmm. So it, it really helps. And especially if you got one, two, three, four right. times connected. And for guys, really they helps. don't need that. It, they no. can get that validation yeah. from so many other places. That's why I feel like for a guy like LeBron, I'm not going to the Olympic game. After I've played literally as much basketball as anybody can play. Every all-star I'm there, every playoffs mm -hmm. I go to distance, every mm -hmm. everything. The last couple if it's Olympics, world I've championships, been there. I'm there. If it's Olympic, I'm there every yeah. time. So like I can't do that right now. I gotta rest my body. We done heard a lot of stories. We done interviewed a lot of women. We done heard a lot of overseas stories, yeah. places they done sure. been. And some of these players then then found new life, new living, you know, a new way of living, yeah. new peace. By getting the opportunity to go overseas, one of the things when I go overseas is so much different than the United States, yeah. where I'm scared to live over there because I'm like, man, I don't <laughs> know. It's it's so different than we live. But mm -hmm. can you tell us some of the stories and some of the places that you've been to overseas, and just you know yeah. some of the funny stories that you had over there? Yeah. I played in Italy my first seven years, and then I had uh, an opportunity to play in Russia, mm -hmm. uh, which no one has ever played over there. In no no American has ever played in their league, period. I went over with Medina Dixon, and that was one of the best experiences, is to play on a Russian team, and it was the Central Sports Club of Army. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, you know you're supposed to say that at mm -hmm. that time because of they had just transitioned from communism to capitalism. Mm -hmm. And here we are over there trying to make a living and make a life for ourselves. But the most important thing when you're there, and I know people think, oh, I'm scared to do this, scared to do that, but you have to de-Americanize yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you de-Americanize yourself and start to live the way that they live, they're goes the respect factor that they see. Okay, I respect them. They like to live how we live. They're not trying to be that American and, and feel bougie. like they're better. Yeah. American bougie. Yeah, so you de-Americanize <laughs> yourself and live like them. I did everything Russians would do. I even dressed like a Russian. Mm. I did everything they would do. I had to learn who was mafia because <laughs> Medina Dixon and I, we weren't taking the crap from nobody because yeah. we're learning 
what's happening there because we were the first two black Americans to ever play and we're not supposed to be leaving home mm -hmm. until everyone knew that we were playing for Central Sports Club of Army. But we wanted to get out at Leningradsky to see what was happening. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we didn't know Mafia drives the Mercedes and how they look. Right. And we're headed to the gym, trying to get to the gym and get to practice on time. And they go by us, and, you know, the snow is everywhere. And whoosh, blow all that crap up on us. We were like, what the? So we did the finger, yeah. hit them with the finger, like. Right <laughs> so them suckers done turned that thing around coming out to us. We were, oh, shit. So we ran, we got into the building. We get into the building. And, uh. Of course, they were like, what's, what's going on? It's like, no, these, these people came back because of what happened. We flipped them off, and they came back after us. Those people came in the door. Well, oh, shit, that's them. <laughs> they came in the door, so we were like, they were like, if you ever see them with this cap on and driving a Mercedes and with these jackets on, they're with us. I was like, oh, God. We thought it was over for us at that point because we, we didn't know. We were just in another country, you know, putting yeah. this mess up on us. Come on, on our nice clothes. So, of course, we were ticked off. But okay. that, was a, that was a lesson for us right there of knowing who was who. Mm, knowing a, who was who. I think Russia is the spot. We Stand heard in from your place. Sue Bird that she played for a spy. <laughs> Russia. Uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, I remember to them. To hear that you was the first to go over there. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, so many things there. happened. Did you, when you were in Italy, did you play against anybody else that ended up being in the WNBA? Uh, yeah, I played uh, the majority of us. Mm. Majority of us ended up. Yeah, everybody I played against in Italy or in Russia ended up playing in the league, and a couple of the Russian girls mm. ended up playing again, and one Italian that I played against that came into the league. That's crazy. Yeah. How was the competition compared, like, as far as, like, the first year? I mean, I know the players were probably at a higher level, but mm -hmm. this was the first year the WNBA, so, you know, everybody was getting used to it. Was it when you came from overseas, was it a little more uptick because it had been going for a longer time? Yeah, see, I think the thing that was important for us is we couldn't say anything but great things about playing overseas because it kept us ready in case this did come into existence. Right. And when it did, we were ready to roll. Of course, we were playing at a very high level. And playing in Russia, these were some of the best girls to do it in Russia, and they were Olympians too. Mm. We were playing against some Olympians and playing with some Olympians who had just beat us in 92. Mm. So, of course, there was some knockdown dragouts in practice because we still ticked off from yeah. losing to them. Right. So we were <laughs> going at it in practice as well. But we were ready because of playing overseas. And that's how mm. we got into the league. We were still amped up. Bodies still looked good. We were still in great shape. And we were ready to roll. Where was you at when you heard there was going to be a WNBA? <laughs> and what was that like? like, like I, was, I was in France. i never forget. Yeah. Sitting in France playing overseas. Of course, this is right. what we had. Yeah. I was over there playing. And when they called and said that I would be allocated to play in New York, I was like, this can't be happening. <laughs> <laughs> this cannot be happening. We've been playing overseas all these years. All and, these years. And at first, they told me I would be playing in Houston. Yeah. I would be playing in Houston because I'm, I'm from Texas. So they right. wanted to have you know a lot of people local. to play close, local yeah. people to bring butts in the seats. When they called and said, well, you'll be playing in New York. For about two seconds, I was like, damn, New York? Oh, that's my style. Right. That's my flow. Mm. And to be playing there, man, to play in that place and for the WNBA to come into existence due to what our 96 Olympic team did. That's yep. really yeah. what happened. Our 96 Olympic team just showed the world. Showed the world. Hey, you can't miss this style of play. So yeah. we belong in America playing this game and not having to go overseas to continue to play. That liberty and that Sparks game, that first game, the world is watching, all the cameras, all the star power. Tell us about just that game, the process, the whole yeah. thing, because 
look at where the league is now, and that was that first game, and you was part of that. Just tell us yeah. about that game. We were scared. That's what Lisa Leslie said. She, I didn't mine. know what was going on. I thought we were going to be in practice jerseys. She was like, this is a real deal. <laughs> it was a real deal for us. It, yeah. we, we were scared. I mean, I can remember calling home as we getting on the bus. Time to get on the bus. I'm calling my family and say, hey, you guys got to tune in. I said, I'm so freaking nervous. I'm so nervous. I don't even know what to do. We get on the bus, and we're driving up to the forum. That's when nerves really hit me. I'm hmm. like, man, this is really real. That's what magic them was that. Yeah, yeah, that's them. That's them. Now, we're about to be a part of the magic time, the show time. Yeah. And to be a part of it, man, it was crazy. It was really crazy then to walk out to see the people really there to watch us play. Because we were told, ah, this is a summer league team. You're not going to get more than 5,000 people to watch. But we knew if you give us a chance to play, oh, you coming. You're coming because we're an exciting group of girls to watch play the game of basketball. Yeah. And once we got that opportunity, we just took full advantage of it because we understood the magnitude of that one game, that first game. We understood the magnitude of being on TV and people watching us. We knew it had, we had to put on the show. Tell me how was it when you, you played that first game was in the forum, but once you got to New York yeah. and you got to – and got a to game play in front brother. of those fans, and you got to, because you are one of the most beloved New York athletes, period. Ever. Like, in the whole, <laughs> you know, I played there, and, like, you still was being talked about. So, you know, I, I know what you, the relationship you got with those fans. And just tell me how it was when you first got to get there and start seeing, like, oh, wait a minute, they like me. And then, like, when they really get a load of me, it's going to be over with. Like, how was that for you when you started to see how the fans fell in love with you and, and, and vice versa? It was a real special moment for me because Rebecca Lobo comes up to me after the first game. And the first game, of course, was in the forum. And then we're getting ready to play at home. She said, this is your team. This is your mm. team. That was enough for me. That was enough for me. And I was already excited to be ready to play in Madison Square Garden, the most famous arena in the world. Right. Now, this is actually our home. This is what we play. We got to protect this floor. I was ready to give the people every single piece of energy I had because we knew what basketball meant to this place. This is the Mecca. This is the Mecca, and we get a chance to play. And, man, you walked out, and we were like, they said 5,000 people? Oh, this place is full. It's packed. It's showtime. So we got in our locker room. Everybody's like, I said, you guys get ready to go? This is our time. They came to see us. No need to be afraid. No need to be afraid. Let's go. So we were ready. We were ready to play because we got the feel when we went to the forum. Mm -hmm. We got a feel for it. Of course, going to the garden is a little bit different, but we already got that feel. We had yeah. the feel for it. We knew we were at home and people were there to watch us. Just to see what they created that season. Like, you know, like they, they started the yeah. league, had this draft. Jerseys. Uh, the seven. jerseys. Y'all in the big arenas. I know it can't be, you know, the best thing, but just to start off, how was the, just that first season to see the effort of like, nah, we trying to really do a WNBA and it's supposed to be here forever. Like the, yeah. the campaigns that you see on TV, the commercials, yeah. when they start doing there the commercials go. and everything. How was that just that whole year of that? Yeah, that's when you knew it was big. Is when yeah. you saw all the commercials on TV, you know, they were really promoting us. You know, it wasn't something that is there's a league, but nobody ever recognized what we were doing or saw what we were doing or it was televised to see what we were doing. That's when you knew it was big, when all the commercials were out or before season started, you're out making sure the commercials are done. They had certain players that they would bring in and do the commercials. And that was big for us to have that. And when we got that, we knew, OK, this thing is real. Yeah. Was there a moment for you where you were like, 
now I'm in New York. I'm playing in WNBA, but like you had previously played eight years in mm-hmm. Italy, two years in Russia. Was there a point where it was like I can't believe that this is happening? Like I'm like you know what I'm saying. You were becoming a superstar in America. You yeah. know what I'm saying. People, your own people getting to see you. Your family can see you on yeah. TV. They can travel to come see you without having to get passports and all that. Like how mm-hmm. was those all of those changes for you and realizing like he said what they had put together and it's like now. After all of these years of me putting in this work overseas, and doing it, it's, it's a home for me here in my own country. How did that feel? Yeah. I think people don't realize or they only see what you do on the floor. But those nights of going home and <sighs> after a game and you go home and your your body's aching and you're feeling a certain way. But, I mean, there were many a nights to sit down and think that this is what we're doing now and people are really accepting us. Many a night's tears were flowing because it was the best feeling to know that we're finally being recognized at home. We're not overseas. We're not just having to, to look forward to being an Olympian where only 12 people get that. We have thousands and thousands of girls who can play this game and people need to see the talent. Yes. And so that was plenty nice. The tears were just rolling. But we also, for me, I was also thinking that, well, I got a job to do. I got a huge job to do because there's other girls who are dreaming just like I did. I can't fail them. So that was on my mind too. I mean, everybody's like, that was, yes, it was on my freaking mind because I want them to experience this. This is, this is awesome. But as you experience it, think of the next person. Think of the next person so this thing can continue to grow and get bigger and bigger. Back to back defensive player of the year at point. Lock them up. Lock up. At the point though. Like, you don't thing. really see a lot of points getting the defensive player of the RGP. year award and <laughs> straight up and so forth. <laughs> How was uh that to just really be recognized on a level like I know you go overseas yeah. and you win scoring titles, you be the defensive player, you win a championship, but yeah. to get recognized in the United States at that time for a woman's basketball player yeah. on the top level, how was that for you? It's really crazy. I knew, I knew that I was the best defensive player, period. Mm-hmm. I knew it. And that happened for me at Louisiana Tech my first year. Very first year, very first practice. Coming out of high school, you scoring 25, 30 points with no problem. Because they want to say, ah, she couldn't score the ball. It's a sacrifice I made. Mm-hmm. I made a sacrifice to be the best defender possible. Coach Balmore said, if you want to play on my team, you're going to defend. Mm-hmm. Play some D. And it clicked. It clicked. I went right after the best offensive player there was on the team you. at that time. I'm going right after her. I got you. I'm going right after her. I want to show them I can lock up. I can start it from the point guard position. And you guys were just talking about GP. They always called him the glove. They called mm-hmm. me the little mitten. Hey, <laughs> the <laughs> Man, that's real cool. The little one, at least call me a mitten. Don't put yeah. little on it. But defense is, that's me. That's me. I look forward to defending the best. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to dream me. This is, this, is, this is one thing that I've, always from the first time I seen you play and I believe it was the 92 Olympics, your energy, you know what I'm saying? What you bring to the game. Like I can definitely remember like, yo, and then even when you start coaching and I've seen a clip of something like, dude, like I run through a, Paul for it's like that's I want I want that like you know what I'm saying like where do you think like that's one of the biggest things I've always since seeing you play I love not admired and I was drawn to like whenever I had teammates like that they turned me up to another mm-hmm. level like I know I was a person that brought that but like if I ever had somebody else with me that brought how you brought that energy where do you think you got that from and where did that come from because that's like you have 
the type of passion and energy that's so infectious and it goes throughout the whole team. Everybody's seen it, whether you were playing, coaching, or whatever. Like, where do you think you developed that from? That drive to come out the hole. Mm-hmm. That drive to come out of the hole of where I came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told that I, I wouldn't be. I was told I would not be. So, I mean, even to this day, you'll see the growl on my face. It, it right. brings it out of me. Mm-hmm. So when it, when you, you tell me what I cannot do, I'm going to tell you, you can put me with the wolves and watch me come out and I'm going to be leading them. <laughs> it's just my attitude. It's my approach. It's a mentality. See, you got to have I'm saying. That. I want to hoop right now. You got to yeah. have it. And, and, and that's what I want you to feel. That's what when you When we walk out there, we walk out there together. Yeah, it's coming that. out of me. It's coming out of me. And right now, you're bringing it out of me right now. You're <laughs> bringing this shit out of me right now. I'm, t- I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm actually sitting there holding my hand. I'm, I'm my telling head. you, and I'm, I'm the energy. Is, I'm feeling it. That's why I'm yeah. saying like this is, this is so necessary. What, so what are we gonna do? We gonna sit on our gift? <laughs> we gonna sit on our gift and just be like, ah, that's not me. That's not me. And the one thing that I don't do is I don't live between the hand claps of people. Right. I'm living in between your hand claps. I'm waiting on you to clap for me, Q. I'll never get to where I'm gonna be because you might not clap, but I'm waiting on your clap. Mm-hmm. I don't live between that. I don't let anyone tell me who I am or what I can do. I don't let anyone cover, restrict, or suffer my gift. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do it. The passion is in you and all that, but who gave you the structure of being yeah. a point guard? The rules of being a point guard, yeah. the, the responsibilities of being a point guard that people, a regular casual fan, don't know. They don't know you need to yeah. set that person up. They don't know I need to get so-and-so the ball. Mm-hmm. They don't know, oh, so-and-so ain't had a couple of shots. Let me get her a three. Who taught you the structure of being a point guard? Studied. You studied. I studied. I studied my Who are some of the people that you studied, that you seen? It's crazy. I studied Magic, Isaiah. I studied those guys like mm-hmm. nobody's business because they I'm wanted to get people OG-Z. involved. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get people involved. So I wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to do that. I wanted everybody to be the best version of themselves. And I was willing to sacrifice my own game for the good of the team. I believed in that. So I watched them and I studied everybody. Of, and then studying my own personnel. I had to study my own personnel because I need to know, do you, you have a high pocket, you got a low pocket, you got a, a mid pocket, whatever your pocket is, I had to know that and get the ball to you on time, on target. That's just stuff you know, on time, on target. But I also had to be able to conduct the show mm-hmm. and to conduct the show in the right way. Are we running? Are we running? There's nothing. Then I set up and then we show what we can do offensively with execution. There's a lot that goes in execution. Everybody just thinks it's, this is the play we're running. Right. You can run plays all you want. Many teams can run plays, but can you execute? Execute. It's a total difference in yeah. execution and running a play. So much is involved in it. So I had to be the one who understood one, two, three, four, and the five. Yeah, the to pace. Be able to get you. I had the to be pace. able to understand it. 98-99. Mm-hmm. The Liberty get to the WNBA finals. Tell me what you feeling then. Like, y'all, you in the Mecca. And you lead them to the big show I tell against you. your Houston, Houston kind. <laughs> Still salty. Still salty. But they were they were so good. You had to be almost flawless. You had to. You had yeah. to be flawless to beat them. And I give them a lot of credit because they were so good, and they they brought a lot out of you every time you played against them. Ninety nine. That was an incredible series. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the first game at home, and then the second was on their floor, and then the third one was on their floor. If we would have gotten the first one, they were in trouble. Yeah. They were in trouble. We we were close to getting that first one. Of course, Cynthia Cooper goes off and kind of gets them over the hump and gets the first one. But we felt like we can still go in and still won at their place. We talked to Tina. <laughs> and <laughs> Tina said, like, yeah, I just told Cynthia and Cheryl, like, make sure you know who you guard. And she said when she seen your face, when you grabbed the ball out of bounds, like, she knew you was going to make that shot. <laughs> Can you take us through that yeah. process? Because when you really look over the clip, all the comments players are celebrating. Mm-hmm. All your players is 
aside the person who took the ball out and you, all the rest of your players, like, yeah, this yep. is over. Yeah. And you see, you take the ball out, get you the ball, and it seemed like you're the only one that's still playing the game all the way down to double zero. Like, I'm, I'm not stopping to that last horn goes Yeah, out. how was that? Can you explain that play for us? Crystal Robinson kind of kept shot. us in. Because yeah. Robinson kept us in, knocking down threes and keeping us yeah. in, keeping it going. And, of course, Tina makes a, an incredible shot, gets them over the hump, and then the confetti goes down. But there's time on the clock, and I was just I was just screaming at Kim Hampton, throw it, throw it. Nobody was around me. Yeah. Nobody. I was like, oh, throw it. When she got it to me, nobody was there, and I was able to heave it. Yeah. Tina was just a tad bit late. Yeah. And when it went in, I mean, the look on their face, I told him that's joy for me. Yeah. You see the look on your face. You know, Change that confetti. Pick that shit yeah. up. Pick it up. Wait another day. Pick it up. Change your locker room because it ain't happening. Change your locker room. No champagne. So I can still talk trash to him about that. Now, but. What, now what hooper don't want this in your locker room? Just tell me. How was that? Just, just a, Did you ever think that, like, man, how did they get them three players on the same team? Man, we all did. Like, we how did, did Houston pull that off? three, but everyone they, forgot Tina about is the number one player, Absolutely. and they got Cheryl Swoops and Cynthia Cooper on the same I, team. I don't know how that happened. It just they got lucky. They got lucky, but it worked out for them. But no one talks about Janet Arcane. Janet Arcane. They were unbelievable for they them. They kept the balance. They kept to it them. balanced. They yeah. kept it balanced. And once we were focused in on these three, these two yeah. killed us. You look at the stats, she's like, well, damn, she had 20, she had 15, and yeah. 10 assists over 10 here. Assists, yeah. So it would kill you. You had to be flawless. Everybody had to be on point. Coming into the WNBA, you seeing all these commercials and stuff for a phone. They basically put the sparks to win a championship basically every year. The Liberty was like the mm -hmm. second team to that. But how was it to see the unfold of it? To see like how it actually turned out? A team from Houston did... Nobody knew what was yeah. even going on. Like, yeah. Team Thompson was number one pick, and mm -hmm. she wasn't the first most popular number pick, and it wasn't because it's something she did. It's because people didn't know women's basketball. That's it. That's it. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, how was just to see how it actually unfolds? Because Lisa Leslie told us that it took her a couple of years to really adjust and be like, yeah, this shit ain't really going nowhere. This is it. And this is going to start yeah. the legacies, the Hall of Fames, and everything from everybody's career. But them first couple of years, Houston kind of ran them off. But, you know, just seeing the, the rest of the league just kind of unfold. You're seeing stars from everywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's really Griffin parallel and, now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was really, if it wasn't us, if it wasn't Houston, if it wasn't the Sparks, if it wasn't even Phoenix at the in time. Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix yeah. was really big. Yeah. And Cleveland, you can't leave the Rockers out because yeah. they were they were our Achilles heels yeah. for the Liberty. They yeah. were our yeah. Achilles heel. They were so freaking good. Uh, but once you saw how parallel the league became, mm -hmm. you knew then this thing is going to explode. Because mm -hmm. we only had eight teams, now we have 12, and we're almost sure it's going to expand. And that's what you really want to see from th seeing the things unfold, watching it unfold and seeing how now each team, you don't have a clue who's going to win. Even this upcoming season. You don't know who's going to Even do this it. upcoming season, you're mm -hmm. looking at like, boy, these people have done really well at bettering their teams mm -hmm. by going into the free agency and pulling it and really, really, done, they've really done a great job. So it's going to be so much more excitement by the way that they're putting the teams together. Fast forward to now. Yeah. You know, you know, you started the first season, you see it now to see now these pioneers. Yeah. These players that then came and made a lot of history, especially some of these young Simone Augustus, mm -hmm. the Maya Moores, mm -hmm. the uh the Diana Taurasi's and you know the Asia yeah. Wilson, seeing the, the big girls dunk. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? To see how this yeah. this this WNBA thing has evolved from the rules the more benefits they got and everything. How proud are you to see yeah. the direction and the future is going into? Yeah, and that's what we talked about earlier was 
making sure that each person who put that uniform on for whatever team it was is for you to have not only a vision for your team, not only a vision for yourself, but a vision for the future. And that's exactly what they've done. They have mm-hmm. an incredible future. Mm-hmm. This this league is going to be even better. Yeah. I think the CBA, they went in and, and went to the table and did a really good job with the CBA, mm-hmm. and that's only going to get better. Everything is progressional. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your trailblazers like ourselves in the pioneers who's going to start things. And then there's the in-between. Mm-hmm. And then here you go now moving towards the future of it really growing. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to only get better. And these girls are not going to have to go overseas. They have to ends to meet. You think a woman was going to ever dunk in a WNBA game? Absolutely. Did... Absolutely. So you feel like, oh, when they started this, oh, yeah, we're going to have women dunking in the minute. Give us a couple more. It was because we stayed so fundamentally sound. Yes. It wasn't that everybody didn't have the jumping ability I mean, everybody don't even think about Mawadi Mabika. Mawadi Mabika, even Michelle Edwards, who played mm-hmm. alongside with the Rockers, their ability to jump was unreal. But we were all about the finger rolling and mm-hmm. the layups and, and being deceptive to get to I'm the other side of I'm the a, rim. I'm going to say this because I say this. We've said this on here a lot of times. And people be like, oh, y'all capping Women's basketball players are light years ahead of the NBA with fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Because... Definitely. Men naturally, we got so many different yeah, skills. That we can skip steps. We yeah. can skip steps yeah. and don't have to. We can cheat. We don't have to do this and that because yeah. I might just t- go take off. Like you remember, Mari, He said he went to his first workout. Stats say they told him to do this, do this, go left and do. He said I looked at him and said, "Man, I don't know what you talking about." He said I took two jumps and just took off and dunked. And they was like, "Okay, like, but like, yeah, yeah like, and, yeah. and y'all can't do that." So like, yeah. you see way more up and under step throughs with footwork and all this different stuff. I tell people like, they like, man, y'all be careful. I'm like, man, ain't nobody. You watch and you will see these ladies are skilled and they don't get to skip steps like we do. So they really have to. We never do the extra little step through thing. You see it on the Euro step, but like in the post and they do the one, two stuff. and You never see they call a travel instantly on the NBA dude. Like, what was that? Like, you never see it. As basketball players, we always want a nickname. We want somebody to call us something and all that stuff. Do you like teaspoon? Just spoon? Or was it another nickname that we haven't heard that people used to call you? Yeah, I was actually used to be called in, in college Rambo. Rambo. Uh, one of the coaches from the <laughs> from SMU, he called me Rambo. He said, I said, Why why you call me Rambo? He said, I my damn player can't get the ball across half court. You won't even let her get the ball across half court. New York called me a predator. Yeah. yeah, they call me a predator. But teaspoon has always been it for me. Uh and the reason being is because I even said that. What I try to do, um, I'm a defensive nut, but I also like to hand it out, like mm-hmm. to dish it out. So it was all spoon fed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was it to, when the first time you seen that spoon in the stands? That spoon. I thought they lost their mind. I didn't know what they lost their mind. But it's New York. It's yeah. New York. As a matter of fact, it was two of us. Yeah. Weatherspoon and Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they had two spoons in the stands. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was. The people were just so creative, and they were involved. They were they were engaged in what we were doing, so yeah. it, it was huge. What does that say to you about how you are endeared and how you develop that relationship and that love for New York to say that, like, you from Pineland, Texas? Yeah, people think and, you're from and, New York. And, and <laughs> he started off by saying, I thought you was from New York. Then yeah. you just said, that's home. Like, <laughs> tell me, what does that mean to you to know that, like, I grew on this place and this place grew on me, and now it is what it is. That's my like, like, I'll never not be from Pineland, but New York is my home. It became my home um, because not only did I play in the garden, and of course, you know, it's Manhattan, but I represented every borough. I couldn't have just one. Mm-hmm. I represented every borough, and to be accepted 
to be accepted. And it was nowhere that I could go in New York and no one knew me. I could cover up and they say, yeah, but I know those feet. Yeah, I know how your feet are. <laughs> they wouldn't know. And th- to be embraced the way that that city embraced me, that's home. I, yeah. I, I can't say anything but great things about New York City. And it's just a great place to step back into. And what's really crazy is some people sometimes think I'm still playing. I'm like, no. I've been gone away from the game, but it really feels good to know that you still feel right. me. Mm-hmm. You still feel me. Let me ask you a fun question. Out of every borough, what did you like about that borough? That's really crazy. My, rivers, <laughs> my where, where I really hung out the most mm-hmm. is Harlem. Harlem. I was in Harlem the most. Harlem is the most flashy now. Flashy as crap. I loved it. <laughs> I loved everything about it. And anytime they saw me by myself, they thought that was the weirdest thing in the world. Why are you here by yourself? You're not trapped. I don't do that. I want you to know I'm no better than you. Yeah. I'm just living a dream. I'm, I'm living city, my man. dream. Yeah. I want you to feel a part of me and me a part of you. Yeah, to touch me. I'll touch me. I'm I think real. that's why people like being cute so much. We nah. stayed in the mall and that Stay in there. high school games why, and everything. Listen, <laughs> I'm the first to say, like, my New York years were not my best years in my career. But like you said, they knew that I shot straight. They knew I yeah. wasn't no sucker. I wasn't with no sucker shit. You weren't going to punk me, all this. And like, I related to them because yeah. I, I was like any other New Yorker. I was, I acted like, like you said, I put my shoes and my pants right. on one leg at a time. I'm not better than you. I'm the same as you. Right. I'm amongst the people like you could see. To, I done had a dude come talk crazy to me and I talk crazy back to him. Yeah. So they see that I'm the same as them. Yeah. I'm going to return whatever energy you bring in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Chicago now, so yeah. is it? It could be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, so like you know, I felt like that was the way I felt about New York because you know you played there. We yeah. all know, like yeah. people come to New York, you ain't yeah. built the right way. You gon' you, you gotta go ahead with your tail between your legs because it. they gonna test you on every level. Yeah. And if you're not resilient and if you're not built a certain type yeah. of way with a certain level or a layer of tough skin, because they gonna talk. The one thing I always respected and loved about New York, because I had it took me a time to figure it out. Cause when I first got there, I was like, who the fuck is that? Why they think they like this? Like, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, but then like after you understand them, you see, like, hold up. Once you get to their team, they feel like you are yeah. and we yours. That's it. That's like we it. can say what we wanna say, but bet nobody else do that yeah. shit. We gonna bite their head off. You come for our play. Like we could do what we wanna do right here because we got our thing yep. going on. But like if you do it, like, all right, don't cross me. Like you feel me? And once I saw that, I was like, okay, cool. I'm I, I kinda like respect you. that. I'm going at you. You come oh, at yeah. me. I'm coming at you. It didn't you. matter. It didn't matter. Didn't Clubs, game, well, I'm, I'm, you could see me. I, I would the shit. But they respect shit. that. They respect they, they that. They did. There they were a couple did. of fans. I was like, okay, keep that same energy. We, get our, <laughs> we, get our, we got our butts kicked. They talking that trash. I said, keep the same energy. And I said, tell me where you sit, because I want you when to come back in here. As soon as we played, they told me where they sit. I had no problem going right there to them. Now, high five me now. High five me now. <laughs> keep your same energy. Take my five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they respect that. They respect that you're going to come right back at them. Yep. They respect it. How was it when you first got to coach in the NBA? Like, Stan, shout out to my man, Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. Everybody know I got big love for him. Like, I was super hyped when I yeah. saw, you know what I'm saying, that he hired you and you were going to be on there because I was like, damn, I was like, that's dope. You know, yeah. and I knew that you were going to be great. But for you, how was it for you walking in the door you know, a new challenge and a new situation. What was that like? Well, you said it. It was a challenge, and that's all I'm about. I'm about the challenge. But my first year was under Gentry, Coach Gentry. And AG, I hey, actually I went, call. yeah, yeah, don't you know okay. I know. Okay. So I went from the way I started was going back and forth to the G League. Yeah. Back and forth. I was two weeks in G League, two weeks with the big guys, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, I accepted that because mm-hmm. I want, once again, I wanted to earn my keep. 
I want to earn my keep, you know. Yeah, but you just come in fresh off of being a Hall of Famer. I will earn my keep. You can Google up all that stuff you want, but I want you to know who I am, the person. I want to earn every single thing. Everything that you see there, I earn that. Mm -hmm. So now it's time to earn something more. Mm -hmm. So I will take this responsibility. I'm going to earn my way up to a seat. And that's how I feel about everything. Stan put me in the back of the bench. I'm still back there in the back of the bench, but that's not where I sit. That's not where I sit. I can't become complacent. If I become complacent and I'm okay there, everyone else sees complacency mm-hmm. in me. Right. So it's not that's not who I am, not what I'll ever be. So I'm pushing to be even better and, and get even more. I feel like that's what's going to make it so verified when you become a coach in the NBA. Because I know you're going to become a coach. We're going to see it right here, right now. You become Appreciate a coach you. in the NBA. You don't take no shortcuts. So when it do come to time, it's like, man, I earned everything that I had. And like I say, me and Q, we love you to death. And man, we definitely rooting for you. And we so Appreciate excited it. for the opportunity that you have. And you get the history that's going to be made because it's time. That's the ultimate moves that start movement because there's so many of you all that's infiltrating the scene and it's earned. It's not by anything being handed or given out, but you guys are setting the stage and opening those doors for so many others like you to come behind. And y'all are the first ones, which is, you know, like you say, that started a movement, but the movement continues with everybody that's seeing it and knowing that now it's achievable because they opened those doors and they showed me that this can actually happen because, look, they doing it. And then y'all doing it the way y'all doing it. I I love to see it. I hope you keep on fighting to be a NBA coach. You guys have no idea what you all are saying what this mean for us as women, Yeah. what this mean for us to come from you all and you've played it, you've done it in the NBA level, you've done it. And for you to say what you're saying about us as women and the way that you're saying it, and knowing that we're capable, and that's the, that's the most important thing, we're capable. Mm. I'm not coming in here, basketball is basketball. And I, of course you see me as a female athlete and I see you as a male athlete, right? But when that ball goes up, it's made the best athlete win. Man. And I'm just as freaking competitive as you are. Straight up. Oh, I'm, I'm going to work dump. just as hard as you are. <laughs> I might not jump as high, might not be as quick, might not be as strong, but I'm, I'm going to use this. Yeah. That's where this comes That's in. Now I got to be wise. The court is the and one that's smartest. I got to be wise. <laughs> Nobody can't tell the whole story of basketball without you being in it. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. If you being real, Nancy, Lisa, all of y'all. Yeah. Everybody. And to be on this side, you know, and this is big to say, to be on the NBA side, I don't want to be a checkbox. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be a checkbox. I'm just taking my rightful place. Yeah. I'm just taking my rightful and earning place. earning everything and you get. I want to earn everything I get. Mm-hmm. Don't give me nothing. Don't check a box. Don't do that to me. Mm-hmm. Know that I'm going to earn my keep. I loved when I saw you begin working with the Pelicans and stuff. Because I was like... <laughs> I would go crazy if yeah. Teaspoon was over there yelling. It. I just know the energy. Like, just five minutes ago, I was getting all going like, and so I have no doubt in my mind that you, others, and all yeah. can have the same impact. I'm glad to see Becky Hammond getting mm-hmm. her chance. I wish she would have got a head yeah. job in the NBA, yeah. but I still believe she's going to do great things yeah. in the WNBA. She's brought the torch to this point to get mm-hmm. women closer mm-hmm. to that point, yeah. and she's been a huge part of that movement. And she can't ever be forgotten for that, yeah. regardless yeah. if she went into the WNBA, because I feel like she she was entitled to that. If that was she was offered and that was something she wanted to do, you know, I do understand that yeah. it comes to a point where whoever you are, you might get to the point where you want to try and you want to lead yeah. and see how you do it leading, whether it's here, you mm-hmm. know, like I've had friends that took college jobs over going to the NBA because 
they get a yeah. chance to lead and see yeah. what they do. So she earned that right to do whatever she felt was best for her. And she still deserves the credit that she brought the torch this far. And now yeah. whoever else picks it up, she still brought it that far. She broke yeah. down barriers in her own way, too. Yeah. When she got in, she opened doors for everyone. And, exactly. and you have to remember, when you when you get in, it's not only just about you. How can you knock the door down knowing that there's other women who are capable of getting the job done? And with her getting in with an unfortunate situation happening to her by tearing her knee mm -hmm. and then being in meetings with Coach Pop and he getting an opportunity to hear her basketball mind, right. then she's now on the bench there coaching. Mm -hmm. So something great came out of something that was so unfortunate. Yep. And of course, you know, when you may have to make these decisions, it's about the moment. What mm -hmm. is best for you at that moment? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that if it comes back around, that at that comeback around, this is time. It doesn't yeah. mean that. It just means at that moment. You had a chance to join the Mercury coaching staff. Mm -hmm. What was it about New Orleans that made you choose to stay here? Yeah, such a great question. And it was something that I thought about for an entire week. A lot of nights of crying uh, because the W means a lot to me. And most people always talk about that the W is less than the NBA. And, and it's not. It's basketball still. Uh, the W has a great meaning to me in my growth and development in the game of basketball and the exposure as well. Uh, so I had a long conversation with my family uh, and everyone who meant a lot to me, mentors, and asked one question that I thought was valuable is, have I given myself a chance? And that was big for me, building something on the NBA side and with the organization, the Pelicans organization, was did I give myself a, a, an opportunity? And I'm never going to run if I haven't given everything that I have to give for the opportunity. And that played in, in the factors of me saying, give yourself the chance, give yourself an opportunity. And it was very difficult because people will talk about the W. Well, why would you not want to go back to the W? Mm -hmm. uh, the W is less than the NBA. No, uh, no, it's not. The W means everything to me. It means absolutely everything to me. I would do anything for it to keep it alive. Whatever I would have to do, I would keep it alive. Uh, but you do what's best for you at the moment. Because when I tell you Phoenix was, they were absolutely excellent, excellent with me. It's a great thing when people hear what you have and they appreciate what you have and they know that it's, it's capable or you have the ability to go and get it done. They gave me even more motivation for the things that they said about me. Mm, you went to Rossi in the locker room. Mm. I love to see that. What a love there admitted of <laughs> When you first heard that you was inducted to the Hall of Fame. H-O-L. Is, is that like These the, people crazy. That's what I said. What they doing <laughs> this country Cherry girl? on top. Like, like, how is that to be a Hall of Famer? You are one of the greats. No matter what anybody say, you are one of the greats. Like, how is that to be a Hall of Famer and just to go through that whole Hall of Fame experience? It was great for my family, mm -hmm. not just for me. It was great for my family because of the struggle and for them to sacrifice for me because of a game that I loved. Mm -hmm. And it was something that we went through together and to know that I was at the end of walking away. I didn't retire. Walking away and transitioning into something else to know that the game didn't forget about you as you walked away, that was probably the most important thing for me and my family is for us to celebrate everything that we've ever gone through in our lives uh, to have me to have the opportunity to walk in front of the world of basketball and stand in that position with many people that has stood there and then to be brought in with those three, Tina, mm -hmm. Foops, and Coop, it was the best feeling to know that this is how it's topped off. Mm -hmm. It's to look out there and see all the people who's done it, and now you're there being mm -hmm. celebrated. What I want to know is this. Pineland, Texas, you come from humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. You come a long way, though. Yeah. 
real long way. You came all the way to New York. So I feel like when you was in New York, at some point, you was at a point you had a lot of confidence on. You was making good money. You was feeling good. What a teaspoon to do to treat herself. I don't hear about, I bought my mama this. Or about, and I'm talking about what a teaspoon do to a treat teaspoon. herself. <laughs> Was it a big body bends? What a teaspoon do to swag out one time? Well, you look at it now that you're like, I probably should have never did that, but it was good when I did it. <laughs> we all did. We all had that couple things where we did something. Where we, yeah, I shouldn't have did that. But all right, well, let me take you back good. now. Let me take you back. You okay. said, all right, you were planning and making all that money. And we were making all that money in WNBA now, so I had to be careful with what I would do. I had to be right. very careful. Only thing I did, probably for myself, that was probably one of the biggest. And I still have the car to this day. To this day, I still have it. I got myself a Porsche. That's probably the biggest thing. Well, I'm going to say like they said, the Porsche. 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 <laughs> I did. And I and I normally don't splurge on myself. It's all on my family. That was a two-seater, though. That's nice. But guess when the splurge came? See, the car's a 10. See how late it took me to splurge on myself? 10. So I got it. It's a Panamera four-door. Oh, mm. okay. Okay. That's about it for me. I had one of them boys. Them boys. <laughs> That's about me it. Too. That's me about too. Me too. I dig it. That's about it. I want to ask you, uh, start, bench, cut. You got to start one. You got to bench one. You got to cut one. Tisha Penatero, Teresa Edwards, Don Staley. Who you start, who you bench, who you cut? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's crooked. Oh, my God. That's tough. Uh, I'm going to have to start Teresa Edwards. Mm -hmm. I'll bench daily, and I have to cut T. Okay. Mm. Ooh, that was hard. T, I love you, man. You know that. <laughs> Ooh, that was hard. Let me ask you uh, your favorite, your favorite. You don't got to be top five, but your favorite five women's basketball player. Ooh. Okay. This is really going to be crazy. All right. <laughs> I got um, Teresa Edwards, mm. Shrill Miller, Katrina McClain. Mm. Lynette Woodard. Mm, I think people I leave ain't her heard out. that name in a minute. Yeah. Right there. Lynette Woodard, and I'd have to put Cynthia Cooper in there. Mm. Yeah. Some of my favorites. I, I, I like that. I definitely like that. I ain't heard that name so long. I, I mean, I, and I think sometimes we fail to recognize what mm -hmm. they've done, you know, and it, I mean, they, I fall on their shoulders. Yeah. I fall mm -hmm. on their shoulders, so I got to recognize what they've done for me. Yeah, that's um, why I stopped asking the question yeah. about who's your top five instead of who's your favorite five. Who inspires you and the ones that you sing like, nah, that was my yeah. player. Because them the ones that mean the most yeah. to me. Yeah. I want to ask you about uh, three people part of the organization. Yeah. You know, you can give us a take. Zion Williams, mm -hmm. you know, a guy so high profile yeah. coming to the team. I know it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I know he's a good kid, want to do the right thing, but his transition, what do you do to help him transition yeah. into coming back and doing what he's supposed to do? I have an opportunity to work with him. That, mm -hmm. He's one of the guys that I work with. And um, first of all, I want to say this, is he's an amazing young guy. Yes, he is. And what I think people fail to realize, he's 21 years old. Baby. He's finding himself. Yeah. And I get tremendously frustrated when I hear all the talk about him. Yeah. Let's have something where we're talking to him to help him. Mm -hmm. I don't like all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. You become a part of the problem mm -hmm. when we're doing that. He's a wonderful young man who only wants to do great things. Mm -hmm. He knows his name is out there. He knows how big he is. So all he wants to do is great things, and all he wants to do is play the game of basketball. Yeah. When you talk to him, you're talking to a very intelligent young man who knows his direction. Yeah. He knows his direction. He's just now going to get himself there. That's it. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I hate when they talk about just kids that – they haven't did nothing wrong, got no trouble or nothing, and it's still something 
for them to talk about. I hate that, but I'm I'm a big fan of his, and I'm definitely rooting and playing for him. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I think it's a situation where we have to deal with everybody for who they are. Mm-hmm. We can't put expectations as to like I've heard things like, well, you know, LeBron came out and did LeBron is LeBron. Yeah. LeBron yeah. was, you know, he is who he is. He's unbelievable. He's been able to, yeah. you know, Everybody stay out of any type of issues yeah. and stuff like that <laughs> right. for, for this long. And he's unbelievable yeah. and he's getting what he deserves for all of those things. But, like, we can't put that on anybody else. Zion is Zion. Every guy that gets the next guy that gets picked, number one, yeah. he'll be his own individual self and he'll have his own individual issues that he has to navigate. Mm-hmm. And we can't take and compare and put them side by side because every situation is different. Yeah. I feel like that's what's kind of happening to him. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's an unbelievable talent that's a lightning bolt topic right now because of the things that's going on. Anytime you're not playing, they're going to be talking crap yeah. about you. So, you know, we got a lot of love for him, yeah. wishing the best, and we hope you get back soon and just be back out there playing. Because we know once you get back playing, all that other stuff goes it's gonna away. It's going to all go away. And he's an unbelievable talent, you all. And to be present and see it every day, I haven't seen anything like it. Yeah. The explosiveness, the yeah. power, the speed, the quickness. He's very, very smart. His IQ is off the charts. Mm-hmm. He understands this game in and out. He knows how to get it done and how to keep everybody around That's what the him casual fans successful. Don't they don't know any of that. They yeah. don't know how hard he studies the game, how much he studies the game. I have an opportunity to talk to him, and my only thing is this. I'm in this journey with you. Mm-hmm. I'm in it with you. I am you, and they'll tell you this is what I say. I am you. You are me. If you hurt. I hurt. If you go through, I go through. So everything that you do, everything that happens, we go through this together. So this journey with this young man, I'm going through it with him. And I'm going to follow him. And he's going to do greater things than what most people can ever imagine. Okay, another player. Brandon Ingram. All-star. Like how, yeah. how just to see, you see the KD. KD is mm-hmm. one of the best players. And this is like a baby KD, but he's the next generation. He can do a lot of stuff with his game. He got a lot of talent. Definitely, we are big fans of his game, but just speak on Brandon Ingram. That's a bad boy. Bad. That's a bad boy. He's a three-level scorer. He can mm-hmm. do whatever you want to. His confidence is unreal. You know, he he believes in everything that he does. He doesn't believe there's anyone, anyone who can defend him. And that's the confidence you have to have, especially have with them. the responsibility that lies on his shoulders, mm-hmm. especially bringing our team along and being the face of our squad right now and leading. He's leading. He's learning to lead. But what I like the most about him now is he's able to now make everybody better. He's making everybody better around him. He sees the game with tremendous ease, but he's playing defense. He's on that defensive side of the ball. He's adding so much to his game that he's great offensively, and he's being much better on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And when you can be that two-way player with the abilities, that he, the abilities, mm-hmm. not the ability, the abilities that he has, mm-hmm. uh, this guy's name is going to ring forever in this league because Listen. he's just as good as anyone else that these names are ringing. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's just I, as good. I was early on him. I like his smoothness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I definitely love the fact that, like you said, he's starting to be able to be a triple-double threat. He's facilitating. He could dish the ball, getting double-figure yeah. assists, and then yeah. he locking up. He yeah. rebounding, beating stuff on the glass, yeah. and he moving them puppies. I ain't got no complaints. Yeah, he, 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 he's only going to get better. I mean, you, he's just scratching the surface. One more person. Swin Cash. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Swin Cash. That's my old teammate from Turner. Shout out, Swin. <laughs> it's like... How is it to have Sin Quash part of the organization? Both of y'all two turned up. Both of y'all two turned up in there. Like, it's too much. That's too turned up. She's definitely a good person. Like, just tell us about Swin Cash and her being a part of the organization and 
You she know, coming you, soon you, to the You two women in this organization doing y'all thing. That's so. how I'm here. Yeah. That's how I'm here. Once she was brought on, she brought me with her. And that was due to us being with the Liberty. Both of us was with the Liberty. And mm-hmm. I actually trained Swin. Mm-hmm. I trained Swin for her final season. Swin would say to me, Swin, hey, look, I'm 36. I can't do what I used to do. <laughs> I grabbed my bag, put my bag on my shoulder, and I walked out. I was like, you can't do it. Okay, fine. You cannot have a number and say, I can't do what I used to do. Mm-hmm. Kent is real. Yeah. But I can say, I can't yet. Yeah. Yet. And put can't and yet together, it's possibility. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, I put my bag on my shoulder. You said you can't do it. I'm out of here. When you feel like you can, holler at me. Holler yeah. at me. So no, you can't go into it like that. And Swim worked so hard and got herself ready for that season. We worked our butts off. So when she got this job, she said, you're coming with me. She said, this is where you belong. She said, you, mm-hmm. this is where you belong. Shout out to Swim. Uh, Swim, I, I, I love her so much for, for trusting and believing and stamping her name on my name. Yeah. That meant a lot to me. That's but what she's doing, thing. no, it's not. She, it, there's a level of trust there, a level yeah. of belief. Yeah. Um, and what she's doing and how she's changing things for women in the front office it's unreal how she carries herself. And mm-hmm. uh, when Love everyone Swim. sees her, you know, they see perfection. They every see professionalism. See it's like I know her. Every time. <laughs> like every time I see her. And she's her. always so, always so, so, so super cool <laughs> yeah. and yeah. in a great mood, yep. uplifting yeah, everybody. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, like, every we time. work together at turn, like, you, it'd be just a fun time. Yeah. She, they back in the makeup room singing and dancing and doing different stuff. She was always great to be around. Yeah, she's yeah. fun. Shout she, out I, to Swim. She's fun to be around. <laughs> exactly. She's a straight shooter. Straight you know, up. and that's what you want from someone like her. To tell you what it Swin, is, Swin, we coming for you soon. Come on, Swin. Yeah, yeah. Come on, you, Swin. Love, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you feel me? You know what it is. <laughs> well, listen, this has been amazing. We appreciate you appreciate pulling you up guys. on us, coming through. We out here in the bayou. You know what I'm saying? New Orleans in your backyard right now. This was amazing. Thank you, guys. They can't tell the story of basketball without having some teaspoon in there. Like, look, we didn't pull up. Just a little teaspoon. Got the blackest one in New Orleans. <laughs> Might get some beignets later. We appreciate you, teaspoon. This so is like, much. for Thank real, you. most yeah. of our, one of some of our favorites. This is this is a little Hennessy. Very special. And um, it's a collector's edition. Special because edition. Because they went ahead. Look, mama, we made it. They got your boys on the back I of the I got it. That's it right there. That's you what's up. You know everybody in the hood proud of us on this. And like, look at that, man. They got, got, they got your boys. That's what's up. I think y'all. They got us on that yak now. So, you know. Hey, well, you on there. I appreciate you guys so much yeah, for this, having me. This is like for real dope. You one of our all-time favorites. We still love everything you're doing. We wish you nothing but the best and continue success and keep representing. You yes, bet. Yes, yes, got yes. it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, we want to thank y'all for your continued support of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also find all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast and join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. The Players Tribune.com.